if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast 180, which sees the return of the dream team. Yes, Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour golf action, namely the Tour Championship and the Italian Open. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on Twitter, of course. Paul's at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I will be recording a new show as soon as we finish recording this podcast. Please subscribe and like the shows. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast. We say that week in, week out. We need your five-star reviews. Um, we've had a few come... Well, we've had more than a few. Um, none from the UK and Ireland recently. So, again, if you're listening in the UK, listening in Ireland, would love your five-star review. It really helps with Apple Podcasts in terms of getting the name of the podcast out there. Right, oh, this one's really short and sweet. It's from Son of Guido. Guido is, or son of Guido, is in Canada. Uh, the title is uh, Best Golf Pod, five stars, not just fine tips, but a good listen. It is not spoiled. And that's from son of Guido. What can you say? Very good. Short and uh, short and sweet. Thank you very much. No adverts with a little, in this With a little no pun at the end. I like it. No adverts <laughs> in this podcast. No manscaped. No. We've all got hairy ones in this podcast. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Can we start recording again? <laughs> now, well, I'm trying to avoid the obvious conversation here. So let's talk let's talk about the uh <laughs> I suppose we need to talk about No, Bryce we're not skip we're not skipping past it. We wouldn't let you. <laughs> it was brilliant. What a day. Like it was really good entertainment. And considering it was like a completely softened dartboard course, it uh, it really delivered some drama. And and yet another dagger to your heart, Steve. This year, I bet you can't wait for this week to finish. You just you must see it as a new opportunity or just like a, a new lease of life in terms of betting and less pain coming towards you on your bets. I've had a fair few seconds this year. This season, this season, this year, whatever you want to call it, but um. I was, I wasn't. Well, it's like everything else, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's golf, isn't it? And it's golf betting. We, uh, we got a winner with Kevin Kisner a couple of weeks ago from a six-man playoff, and then two weeks later, we get, uh, I get another man in a playoff. You've worked through the, you've worked through a brand new golf course. You've worked out that it's going to be an absolute score fest. Um, you've worked out that you're going to need people that have got immense power off the tee because you know there's these drivable powerful it actually worked out pretty to the script of what I thought was going to happen bloke just couldn't get over the line could he and he had so many chances it was shocking so you got to give props to Patrick Cantley and I've I've been barking on barking on about Ryder Cup spots and qualification and the last two winners Tony Finau was in the last auto spot under intense pressure going into that uh, tournament in New Jersey. And then you've got Cantlay in 11th, probably just looking over his shoulder slightly or just going to, oh, do you know, I'm going to make sure here. I don't I don't want to be like a Daniel Berger that's going to be sitting there right on the bubble wondering, uh, is, is he going to pick Phil Mickelson? Is he going to pick X? Is he going to pick Y? And uh, he, he just come and deliver, didn't he? That putting performance 
Um, I was talking to Paul about it yesterday as we were pulling all of our um, statistics together for this week. I mean, did you did you say Barry it was a record? But it was over fourteen strokes gained putting across the tournament. I saw Catholic. some saw some reference to it being a record. I didn't dig too deep into it, but uh, yeah, I mean it was he. He looked so, even though he shuffles a lot, that's part of him getting comfortable for his putts, like whatever. But his stroke looks so confident on on those putts. Oh my it, God. Like, it, if you could bottle that, you could sell it for... 14.58 strokes gained putting across the week. That's the highest I found. Well, I couldn't find anything higher. And I went back to Patrick, uh, Patrick Reed winning the Mexico WGC last year. Uh, which Paul was on, I think he putted like at 11.5. DeChambeau, to his credit, DeChambeau was at 9.36 strokes game putting. Yeah. Just eyeballing it, you could see he was he was just nailing absolutely everything, wasn't he? Every putt inside five feet he made during the course of that uh, those four days. Um, but the, the longer parts, 10 to 15 feet, 10 out of 12 he made during the course of those uh, those four days. Um, which is, is immense in that level. Um, and, and from 10 to 20 feet, 14 from 23. So 61% he got. Um, and the um, I, I sort of quoted the uh, tour average is around 25, 26%. We, so more than double. Tita Green's always such a, it's just a massive statistic strokes gained on the PGA Tour. Eric Van Ruyen was number one last week. Harold Varner third was two. Bryson was third. 6.45 strokes gained Tita Green. This just shows the measure of Cantlay's putting performance. He was outside the top 25 per strokes going tee to green, 28th on one tournament. It's rare you see that. So, amazing performance from Patrick Cantlay. But yeah, yeah, that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, he had his chances at Bryson, didn't he? You win some, you lose some, don't you? Yeah, he had his chances. He had his chance at the 59. Um, And his chances in regulation to win. He had his chances in the the playoff to win. So... um, it's just difficult to get over the line, isn't it? Ask Burnt that, Fisburne, um, it? that putt on for 59 on Friday and the putt for the, on the second playoff hole were virtually identical. Identical length, position on the green. Tug both left. But yeah, it actually puts the, the FedEx Cup race into a very interesting scenario. We'll talk about that in a while because clearly now Cantlay heads that with T1 Tony Fee now in position number two for the you know the big race for the season. So th- there's going to be different angles to attack this, I think, potentially this week, the Tour Championship with the top 30 in there. Um, what about the um, European Amiga Masters, Paul? Mm. Or the Amiga yeah. European Masters, to give it its yeah. proper title. N- n- another one of these events where um, the, the lead was just being passed around a bit, wasn't it? And... Uh, but Wiesberger had the uh, had the event at his mercy at the end. Um, one shot lead heading up the 18th hole and proceeded to make a double, which uh, which gave the um, title to uh, Rasmus Hogard, who was always sitting already sitting there um, in in the clubhouse, just uh, well, I guess waiting at best for a playoff, not really expecting to uh, to, to to get the job done. But, uh, but yeah. Fiesberger put a brave face on that in the end, um, but he's got to be absolutely gutted. Barry, Barry, what do you think, Barry? What, what does that say to Padre Carrington about a pick for Bernd Wiesberger? No, he's ah. standing there on 18T, makes double. It doesn't help. You actually chances. look at the rankings, <laughs> Wiesberger's next in line now. For a captain's pick, looking at the well, numbers. he'd have made himself into the automatic spots had he made that, you know, made, made par in that final hole, and that shows yep. you the um, shows you the pressure these guys are under um, to to get into those positions. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. I mean, so would he? What would happen then? He would have jumped in over McElroy on the European points list, and then McElroy would have been yeah. Gone onto the European re- list, and then Larry would have got bumped out. 
Or yeah, I've already made him. He'd have made himself into or put himself into ninth spot. I mean, it, it still would have been tenuous because you've still got uh, this week and of course uh, Wentworth to go. But uh, I think you'd rather be in than out at this point, heading into the uh, into the final few or final couple of events. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's difficult to win, isn't it? You know, uh, Bryson proved it. Viesberg proved it. We've, we've seen it almost every week on the European Tour, don't we? Um, can't count your chickens um, on the on the Euro Tour coming down the uh, coming down the stretch uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, no, disappointing. I, I had a, I had Shabanka Sharma was my best um, chance heading into Sunday. He was um, he was sitting in ninth spot heading into Sunday. Pard the tough first hold. He went double treble five over through three. Um, if I'd have had a cat, I'd have kicked it at that point. I expect, but uh, thankfully I don't. So there's no. Uh, there's no feline damage, um, and uh, and that was the end of it. So uh, yeah, just just watched Feesberger uh, melt down in the end, which was a shame for him. But uh, we move on. I mean, just right now on the Ryder Cup, if all things stay as they are, then we're all in agreement that the two, you know, two of the three picks are uh, Poulter and Sergio. So there's one spot in up for the conversation. Yeah. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, and so you've got what uh, Wiesberger, Perez, McIntyre, Migliozzi, Rose, and everybody else. So it's how, it's how does Harrington? How does Harrington see somebody fitting into the team, or you know, matching up with course, or uh, who knows what? But um, I think that that'll be one that'll have us second guessing everything until um, Sunday week, the twelfth, when he announces it. Yeah, yeah, and well, he's got you know a great chance to look at uh, the the real pretenders to those uh, uh, that, that that those positions over over the next week or two, hasn't he? And certainly at Wentworth, so it's going to be going to be an interesting time for him to try and make that final or those final three selections. I read a story in the press saying that he had been very um, upfront. He wants his players to turn up at Wentworth. And uh, Rory's already said he's not attending, even though he's on the list. Um, he said he's too tired. He wants the week off for Wentworth. He wants to stay in Florida rather than Wentworth, which I can understand. Um, and Sergio's also saying that he doesn't want to go. He, he, Sergio doesn't go to Wentworth, does it? It's never on his schedule. No, no, it's certainly not on the entry list at the moment. So, uh... But, you know... In reality, those two are in, aren't they? I mean, Sergio doing what he did last week in that top five of the BMW, he's in. The real interesting one's going to be Rose. If, if Rose turns up at Wentworth and starts playing like Justin Rose can and should and is contending that week, I think that's going to be a pointer that he's going to be difficult for Padre to turn away from, isn't it? When, you know, other players like... But yes, but, you know, it's all up for grabs of Eastberger... Perez, they they can take that spot still. McIntyre seems yeah. to have lost the plot. He he's struggling. He can't even. He's struggling on the corn ferry, isn't he? Missing cuts on the, in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, at this point, you you want a player who's playing himself into some form, and that's yeah. not Justin Rose, um, or hasn't been recently. That's not Bob McIntyre. It's yeah. You got you got players like Rasmus Hogard are going out and winning golf tournaments, and you pick oh, yeah. would you that pick someone else? But, but, um, but clearly, Wiesberg is in far better form than the other yeah. two we've mentioned. But then yeah. you know, Rose was top ten at Wyndham, wasn't he? And then you know, if he did, uh, anyways, it's 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 always one pick, isn't there? That's open for debate. And this I mean, certainly, the, this picks the last pick's going to be interesting. If you think about it, like we're going, we're playing away, we're. No, we're you know we're second favorites, very clear second favorites. It is an opportunity to bring on or, or blood one of the the really new guys, you know, the young guys into the Ryder Cup for the, the you know for the future upcoming additions. Yeah, there's a possibility that a, a gamble could be taken on one of the young guns. It's an I I think it's a more, it's a more fun debate that one than you know picking you know looking at Rose who's shown fleeting bits of form over the last year. Wiesberger is consistent, but you know seems to to struggle when the extreme pressure is applied. Yeah, yeah it's not as if the Ryder Cup isn't going to be extreme pressure, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a walk in the park, yeah. like it's just a Sunday yeah, football yeah, with your yeah. mates. <laughs> it worries you, doesn't it? It does worry you. Yeah. Mm. 
Got so, and the other one we haven't mentioned, who's way down the standing still, is Alex Noren. I mean, he's been playing some fantastic golf in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and he is coming in white hot form. So, yeah, interesting. But, but again, he he had a chance to make his way through to um, to the, the Tour Championship, didn't he? He bogeyed the last. Yeah. You know, when when the pressure's on, these guys have got to be able to prove that they can perform. And you know, one by one, they're kind of uh, they're, they're they're showing that they can't quite stomach it when push comes to shove. I mean, Norren's turning up at Wentworth uh, as you'd expect, and should he go and win that or go very close, then it it does beg a question, I guess, doesn't it? Tell you what, it'd be hard not to pick him just for that tournament in general, because we know Ben Power. You know, it's, it's no for regulars of the podcast. We've always said that Alex Noren. Forget Bermuda. It's always Bermuda or a mix of... Uh, sorry, it's always a mix of Ben or... It's always European grasses he he comes to the party on. You know, last two weeks on, in the best tournaments on the PGA Tour, you know, he's had a... Was it a fourth a, and a, an eleventh or something like that? You know, playing some great golf. Um, he, he'd actually fit as well around Whistling Straits with his power. Now, in terms of America, their qualification's finished. That was finalised after the BMW. Steve Stricker doesn't announce his picks until the other side of the Tour Championship this week. So Morikawa, DJ, DeChambeau, Kepka, Thomas and Cantlay squeaks into the automatic last spot in sixth. Then we've got seventh, eighth, ninth, Finau, Xander and Jordan. 10, 11, 12, English, Patrick Reed, who's got this pneumonia situation. And Daniel Berger sitting there in the last spot. If Forget forget about Reed. Let, let's just say Reed will be fit and will play. Would you say that those seven through twelve will be Stricker's picks, or do you see him potentially throwing in a wild card like a Scheffler or a, a, a red hot Sam Burns? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to deviate from it. I think. Yeah, seven through eleven, solid. I think uh, you know if Reed is back. Fully fit. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to have him in the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. You've got a partner for Bryson there as well, um, built yeah. into that. So I think Berger is the one who's precarious. Um, and then after that, yeah, that conversation, there's a lot of guys you could pick. Like Burn, Burns is playing incredible golf at the moment. Scotty Scheffler, big, big hitter. I I don't know. That's 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 a, that's a pick. Uh, I I think the European conundrum for that final spot's a little easier for Harrington um, than it is for Stricker. And that's all on the, on the proviso that uh, the PGA of America don't say, oh, we want you to pick Phil. Or the players say they don't want Phil in the team as well. No, 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 no. They, I, I think more and more it feels like the little rumblings here, there and everywhere through the me- coming out through the media and sound bites just shows that Phil will yeah. be getting... Um, like Phil will be announced as a captain's pick, or sorry, not a captain's pick, an advice captain pick, yeah. and that get that gets Phil into the team environment, but without having to be subject to his wild golf at the moment. Yeah, that's what it. Sh- yeah, that should be the situation. Should be the situation. I think it was Stone last last week, wasn't he? A BMW. Yeah, he was tied sixty six with Kevin Kisner, my pick, Cameron Champ, and Carlos Ortiz. They shot one under par, where uh, Cantley and DeChambeau shot 27 under par. So he's not in the best Nick Nicholson, is he? Let's be, let's be frank there. Right, that's enough of last week. Let's talk this week. Um, two of championships, a bit of a specialised one. So um, let's do that second. So let's talk, Paul, Italian Open, which is featuring a decent field with Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood heading the betting. Burn is uh, Burn in third spot, twenty to one. Guido twenty five to one. Stenson, who's found himself thirty to one. Matt Wallace, Callum Hill, Rasmus Holgaard, and Garrick Higo makes his return to the European Tour, thirty three to one shots. Take it away. Yeah, yeah. The Italian Open, as you say. Um... We're off to the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club, um, just on the outskirts of Rome, which will it's the, the track that's going to host the 2023 Ryder Cup as it is now. We're back to odd years on the Ryder Cup 
for fairly obvious reasons. But yeah, decent field, as you just said. Decent field ahead of Wentworth next week. Um, actually, talking Wentworth, we've got a, we've got a few um, committed players by the looks of it, just to give you a, a taste of what to expect for next week. Um, we've got the likes of Tyrrell Hatton, Hovland, Matt Fitz is staying over. Um, Adam Scott's playing, Shane Lowry, Rose, as you mentioned a second ago, Westwood, McIntyre, Poulter. Um, a fair few. The top 60 in the world can all play, um, and they've all got a spot reserved by the looks of it, um, should they choose. But um, those are the guys that are on the list at the moment. So should be a good one next week. But yeah, a decent, uh, a decent hors d'oeuvre this week um, for us to get our teeth into. Um, just to mention the bookie um, of the week, which um, is undoubtedly Ladbrokes, who have gone eight places each way, a fifth of the odds on this week's event. Um, them and Coral, the only guys who have moved to eight places. Um, and the prices actually aren't too bad. Um, there are some weeks where these guys who put um, eight or ten places up or the extended offers, are, the prices are pretty rough. But actually, they're not too bad at all. And um, I've placed one of mine this week with Labrooks, who um, were a decent combination of price and, uh, and of course, the extra eight places each way. If you pop along to the site, we've got a um, bet five, get 20 in free bets offer uh, for new customers. Um, of course, terms and conditions are on the site um, for you to check before you um, register. Uh, anyway, over to the course, the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. Um, they used this in in 1994, uh, back in the day in the Italian Open, won by Eduardo Romero at 16 under. But it's gone through a total renovation since um, to get it basically Ryder Cup ready for a couple of years' time. And this will be the first event of any significance that's been played on the track since that work's been completed. Um, it's now a 7,268-yard par 71. Three par fives. The closing hole is par five, the longest of the lot, at 626 yards. There are also four sub 400 yard par fours, but also four, uh, four 475 yard or longer holes on the course as well. So there's a real mix of par fours for the players to get the teeth into. And it's not your typical tree-lined Italian track either. Um, judging by the flyovers, and I put a link on my preview to some of the uh, some of the flyovers and, and some some of the course descriptions. There are dog legs, yeah, you'd expect that with an Italian track, but it's more um, it's more exposed than that. There's fescue rough lining many of the fairways. Um, there's a lot of water in play. In fact, there's a lot of water flanking um, the fairways on a number of the holes as well. So you're not getting the issue of um, being in serious tee trouble if you're wide, but you're going to be in this deep fescue or in um, in the water. So um, there's potentially going to be a, a stronger element of control required, accuracy required to uh, navigate your way around this track. Judging by what we've seen um, and what we can glean from the uh, from the course description and the flyovers that are out there so far, of course. You know, the proof will be in the pudding when we actually see the course on Thursday for the first time. But um, that's kind of how I've interpreted it to this point. Uh, in terms of the weather, it's set fair. There's a chance of a thunderstorm as we head towards the weekend. Um, 80 Fahrenheit in the afternoons, 5 to 10 miles an hour um, in terms of the wind speeds. And nothing really to, uh, to report in that respect. Looking back on previous winners of the Italian Open... Um, going back to 2010, Frederick Anderson head one at 66 to one. Robert Rock the year after the same price, 66s. Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño won at 40 to one in 2012. Before Julian Cairn won at 80 to one in 2013. I was on Cairn that week. I remember that very well. That uh, that win. Um, Henny Otto won at the same price the year after, 80 to one. Ricard Kahlberg 70 to one in 2015. Francesco Molinari won his second Italian Open in 2016 at 25s. Tyrrell Hatton 18 to 1 in 2017 when it was a Rolex Series event. Thjorbjorn Olsen 80 to 1 the year after. Bernd Wiesberger 35 to 1 in 2019. And then last year, the rearranged Italian Open, um, no longer a Rolex Series event at that point, was won by Ross McGowan at 750 to 1. Very well done if you managed to. I can't believe you didn't get that one, Paul. 
<laughs> yeah, I've looked back and, uh, you, well, could you have made a case for him? If, if you'd have had a very lucky dart, maybe, but, uh, but no, no, nowhere near my uh, no calculations that week. And looking back at those players that I've just read through, there's some mixed incoming form, but all but rock. Um, in 2011 and McGowan last year at a top 10 finish in the last eight starts. If you look at McGowan, um, his best finish in his last 12 starts was 42nd. So he wasn't exactly screaming impending success. Um, although he'd made a couple of cuts um, as opposed to making or missing missing cuts, which was a step in the right direction, I guess. Um, previous Italian form, I can't remember a new track, so it's difficult to to tell really isn't it but eight of the past 11 winners of the top six finish in the Italian Open prior to their win and we do see lots of repeat winners often the Italian Open is played on a similar kind and style of track and even if it isn't tree-lined it still demands a certain tee to green game and uh, we've seen the likes of Francesco Molinari win a couple of Italian Opens Ian Poulter's won a couple and going back in historically uh, Langer, Torrance, uh, Sandy Lyle they'd all won multiple uh, Italian Open, so um, seeing a winner um, come back and and secure a second or a third Italian Open isn't out of the realms of possibility, I don't think. Uh, but boiling it all down, for, well, for all intents and purposes, we've got a new tracker, haven't we? Um, it's you know we've not seen it since '94, and it's been completely renovated since. So um, it's pretty much a blank canvas, I think. Um, just looking through the track and again going back to the flyovers and the, the description of the how the, the, the whole setup, I think for me a player's performance um, from off the tee is going to be fairly important this week. You've got the water that runs alongside the fairways, as I said, on the approaches as well. So you're going to have to be um, decent from your from off the tee. You're going to have to be strong with your approach shots. And even those avoiding the water, if you're stuck in this long fescue, that's not going to be the, uh, it's not going to be a picnic, is it? So, strokes gained from off the tee, accuracy um, could be well be the the angle of attack, and um, that's kind of what's led me down to the five players that I've backed this week. Uh, the first of whom is Antoine Rosner. I backed at thirty-five to one. I've, I, I did Rosner with the uh, Labricks with eight places each way. You can get forties um, with fewer places, but uh, uh, given the only small price differential, I went with the extra eight places this week. Um, Rosner's twice a winner since December. He, he, he shot a sixty-four to beat Andy Sullivan back in Dubai in December, and then he rolled in that massive sixty-footer to win in Qatar earlier this year as well. Um, fourth for the season for strokes gained off the tee. Um, in fact, he's been inside the top fourteen for that stat on his last five starts. Third on that count last week at Grand Sourcier as well. And actually, last week needs a little bit more investigation. You had to hole a thirty footer to make the to make the week the weekend at Crans, and then went on to shoot one hundred and thirty three over the weekend. Nobody in the field beat that. Closed with a sixty two, which was the best of the day on Sunday. First for strokes gained tee to green, sixth for strokes gained approach. Long game was absolutely on fire, and it's only the putter with Rosner. Um, but uh, we've seen on a number of occasions when it all clicks with him, he can putt really quite well, particularly on bent grass greens. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I suspect he can go well this week. Um, he was 10th in this event last year um, on a different track, of course. Um, and he's got a solid record, a lot of decent top five, top 10 finishes um, over in Italy on the lower levels on the Challenge Tour and the Alps Tour over the years. So I think he can go well again this week at um, a price just outside the uh, the guys at the top of the market, 35 to 1. Um, I've also backed Francesco Molinari. I got him early yesterday at 50s. He's been backed in a bit. There's a tiny bit of 45s out there, but generally you're going to be looking at 35, 40 to 1 for Francesco. Um, class act, you know, we know he's a class act. Um, it's just not been at his best for the last couple of years, has he? Um, since he won the uh, since he won the Open, it's been a bit hit and miss. But, you know, I, I kind of think about Francesco Molinari and I kind of think, well, he's gone, gone off the boil. But then if you consider since 2019, he's won on the PGA Tour at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, finished third at a WGC, fifth at the Masters. He had three top tens on the PGA Tour this year uh, today. He was 13th at the US Open back in June. 
Um, only one player in the field finished better than him um, at the US Open that, uh, that week. Um, that's, that's not too shabby, really. It's, it's, it's not screaming complete loss of form. Um, we also saw him shoot 64 in round two last week, which tied the best uh, round of the day. Finished ninth for strokes gained approach, 17th for strokes gained two to green. Twice a winner of the Italian Open, as, as we know. And um, if he's anything approaching his best from off the tee, then he's going to be far too big at the, uh, certainly the 50 to one I took yesterday. And uh, if you're getting anything from 35 upwards on a player who's proven um, at all levels and proven in Italy as well, then, um, then yeah, I, I see no reason not to take that. Uh, so Molinari's in. Uh, John Catlin's also in. 60 to 1 I took yesterday with 7 each way. Um, another accurate type who go well in my view. Uh, three wins in his last 25 starts. He's just still not getting the respect that I think he deserves on the uh, on the betting markets. Um, 60 to 1 for a player who's proven that he can win um, when, when the conditions and the course and when his game's uh, trending in the right direction I think is a great price. It seems like he's building momentum again. Seventh at Galgorham Castle. Um, he was head, sixth heading into the week, or into Sunday last week. Eventually finished 21st. But um, statistically, first for driving accuracy last week, third for greens and regulation, tenth for strokes gained off the tee, uh, fourth for strokes gained approach, third for strokes gained tee to green. His long game stats across the board were really impressive. Mm. Um, and another who should enjoy the bent grass greens here. Um, one at Gal Gorham and Bent, you won at uh, Valderrama and Bent as well. And um, I think this return to a newly laid um, pure bent grass surface should suit Catlin down to the ground. So um, happy to take Catlin at 60 to 1. Also taking Daniel Van Tonda at 100 to 1, again with 7 each way. Again, you can get 110s or slightly more um, with fewer places, but um, 100 to 1 with 7 each way is the way I've played it. Um, and it seems like another one whose long game is trending 21st last week. Um, and all long, all aspects of his long game seem to be moving forward. Um, in the last three weeks, he's progressed in terms of strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained approach. Um, he's fifth for strokes gained off the tee for the season today. And um, if you look back at his Sunshine Tour wins from last season, he, he won four times in a short spell. That all started at the end of November, so around this time, um, and ran for a couple of months. So if you're a believer in positive biorhythms, um, and potentially we're getting into the Daniel Van Tonda um, period of the year where he really hits his straps. Uh, so happy to take him at hundreds. Also taking a chance on Adrian Sadier, the erratic Frenchman at 250 to 1. Erratic Frenchman. Who'd have thought it, eh? <laughs> I took him at 250s with seven each way, and then about an hour later, um, one of the late firms popped up at 350s with six. So... Um, that was a little disappointing, but anyway, for the record, it's two hundred and fifty to one, seven places each way. You topped um, up, didn't you? You did, Barry. You know what I'm like. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and, and you do, and you doubled your stake. <laughs> you changed. Um, you changed pool though, Barry. Now that he takes lower prices and more places, you'd never have had this conversation well, the, six months ago with Paul. He'd well, always uh, gone bet three six five five hundred to one, and, uh, five places yeah. each way. A friend of mine. The problem is, Barry's absolutely right. Is, is that I end up doubling my stake or uh, and topping up a stake just to, uh, to just to just to appease academic the when they miss the cut. If you've got five, six, or seven blazes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about Sadia. He, he may well go well this week. I, mean, I called him erratic because twelve missed cuts from sixteen starts this season is is well. That's, that is erratic, isn't it? But he seems to have found something last week. Um, he finished seventh. He was second for strokes gained approach at Grant. He was second for st strokes gained tee to green. Big personal best um, on that track um, from the times that he's played it over the years. Um, and he does throw in that odd good week every now and again. Finished, do we go back? This is from 2019 onwards. Um, Clearly last week, seventh. Fourth in Portugal at the Portugal Masters. Third in, in Amman. Um, sixth at the Scottish Championship. Ninth at Cyprus. Um, and just a stack of miscuts in between. And you're either going to get one or the other. He's, he's, I don't think he's a DraftKings play because he could well miss the cut. Um, but if he makes the cut, he could be one of those players who does meander his way through to a paying position um, from an each-way perspective. And when you're getting 250s plus um, with extended places, I think that's worth a... Uh, Worth a small punt. So, so Sadier's in. Um, eight, no, Daniel Van Tonder at hundred. John Catlin, sixty to one. 
Francesco Molinari and Antoine Rosner at 35s at the top of my list this week. That's my five. Any fancies from you boys? Can you name me a French player that was ever consistent? <laughs> consistent and their inconsistency is about as good as you get. Yeah. <laughs> tell you, 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 you get some that are very, very capable, don't you? And then, I don't know, just blow hot and cold, don't they? They're all aren't they? Miscut, miscut, miscut second. Swashbuckling yeah, is the, na- the word. Yeah. Alex Alex Levy's another one to, to really keep an eye on because he's he seems to have turned a corner and yeah. I don't I don't think this is particularly the track for him otherwise I, I could have taken a chance on it um, but um, he's you know he's being priced up in the hundred to one bracket at the moment but I think there's you know if you can if you can match him to a course that's going to a- appeal to his kind of risk reward aggressive nature over the next few weeks I think he's he's well worth a punt but uh, I I couldn't couldn't take a chance on him this week. Um, which probably means we'll go and finish uh, in, the, in the top five, I expect. I am logging on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, can remember so, Victor, I can remember Victor de Buisson having a good consistent run at one stage. That must have been when he got in the Ryder yeah. Cup team. And now, of course, he just goes fishing rather than playing golf. You know, they're, they're all very, very enigmatic, these French golfers. All over the place. Good tournament, this um, Italian Open. Cracking field, has to be said. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's something in Molly in Molly Molinari potentially. I saw a, a tweet came in from a, a loyal Molinari fan to um, Nosferatu last week, and they said, "What did, what would um, Francesco need to do to qualify for the Ryder Cup? Is there still a chance?" And uh, the, the reply was, "If he wins both the Italian Open and at Wentworth, he'll get himself in the auto spots." So there you go. It's clear, it's clear and concise for Francesca. Yeah. See, I, I, I looked. I looked down the list, and you have to scroll an awful long way down to find. It's like using forty eighth or something like that. So, um, but there's so many points available. It went with next week, and oh yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be under the gaze of, of Harrington, and uh, you know, it, 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 you imagine if he won this week and won next week, and by the mathematics didn't quite make it, then. Um, what kind of dilemma does that put Harrington under? Makes it make makes him an awful lot more uh, pickable than the rest of the guys who are outside on that they're vying for that finals pick spot. Strange things happen in golf, don't they? You just never quite know. I I've, I have noticed with Francesco on some of his uh, PGA Tour outings, there haven't been many, but there's been the odd good round from him. I mean, that European Masters last time out for him, sixty-four in round two. There's there's flashes. I just don't. I just don't think he's the move to Los Angeles, and he's you know, he, I just he's not settled at the moment, is he? But there's no reason why he he can't play well in his in his hometown. For me, I, I'd also think Stenson's going to have a good week. Uh, I've backed him. Yeah, I think this is a kind of Stenson course in an Italian Open. You know, just get the three three wood out. 270 yeah. straight down the middle or round the dog leg and and off the tee the last couple of weeks he's been very good matched with mm-hmm. some extremely high GIR last week and the putters working so it's like yeah. you know he's just telegraphing it and 28 to 1 I, yeah, I couldn't it's, I couldn't resist it I probably you know so grabbed it um, backed it yeah. yep yeah, it's another no, one making a lane rust. I mean, he's he's way off as well. But Stenson, could, what if he won this week? It's all very exciting. But he's yeah, he, he's he's saying the things. He's like, you know, played with Harrington a couple of weeks ago in the first couple of rounds of the check, and you know, I want to show him that like there's there's an option there. So, God, who who knows? He could go win the next couple of events. Probably won't, but you know, there's the chances there. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a step forward in his game and his his form over the last couple of weeks. So, one to keep an eye on, I guess. Hope springs have got, eternal. Have you got any other selections, Barrick? Before we move on to the Tour Championship, not really. I do have one kind of. I might re- well. I'm not going to. Re- I'm not going to regret asking this, but it's it, you guys might regret me asking it. So my friend Pat has asked. If, uh, if you've done any analysis on your bets this year, if you had taken the longer number of places versus the shorter places, what would that have done to your P and L? 
I think we've, yeah, we haven't I, done I guess, X specifically for this year. I know that you've looked at it in the past, Paul. Yeah, I have, and we've looked at various different combinations of, um, you know, had you just backed everyone win only and um, and that, and I, I don't, I don't ever see a massive amount of variance from a personal perspective. I've 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 tried um, pl- backing players and then um, laying them when they get to a certain level and kind of taking the uh, taking the pain out of the equation and forfeiting maybe you know 10, 15, 20% of your win um, by by laying them off. But then again, the analysis over a, a longer period of time suggested to me it was it was neither here nor there. You could get lucky by having a stretch where you lay players that did continually um, fail to get over the line, and you, you you could finish out on top of that, or you could continually lay players who go on to win a golf tournament, and you could be a bit frustrated with it. Um, I think ultimately it's um, each for their own, and. Um, yeah, should should you be taking eighty to one with eight places over hundred to one with five, and would it make a massive difference to your, to to you know to to your personal PL over time? I think yeah, I, th- I think it'd, it'd take a wider bit of analysis, not just on the picks that we've made, but um, on the uh, on the players who finished in those positions over the uh, over the course of the season. Maybe something to do in the post uh, post season lull, Barry. Is it, is it is it more a case of um, maybe smoothing off that short term variance of you know missing out on a place by one shot when you've taken let's say six places versus eight or ten whatever was available that week and you're sitting there going God have I just taken the sixty six to one instead of the eighty to one so like even if even if the end of the year accounts to, are, are reasonably similar um, you might have less of those weeks where you're kind of kicking yourself going oh I was greedy there. Mm. It 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 smooth things out a little, yeah. You know, it's very famine or feast this game anyway, isn't it? And uh, you you you'd open yourself up to a, a smaller but more regular return if you were consistently mm. taking the eight or ten. Um, I I just struggle because often the you know if you look at a ten places offer and it's sixty sixes versus a hundred to one for a yeah. five or six, I'm. You know, my mind will draw me towards the hundred to one. I, I I struggle to stomach taking sixty sixes, and um, but you know the other point of view. Some people say, well, you know, I, I, I want the ten. I, I want those extra places, and uh, each for their own. I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. If if any listeners have done any of their own kind of figures on this or noticed anything that we're missing, um, it'd be good to we good to hear because by no means are you know we're just uh, throwing ideas at the wall here. We move on to the Tour Championship, which is a strange one now these days with this strokes, well, they call it the FedEx Strokes Index or FedEx anyway. I'm going for a different tack this year. I'm absolutely ignoring the Tour Championship winning marker, winner market. I'm going to go for the 72 strokes without strokes index. That's the way I'm playing it. So I'm playing it as a 72 hole tournament. But it's an interesting one this year in terms of you've got Cantley at four to one to win the whole thing. He starts at ten under. John Rahm is joint favourite four to one. He starts in position four at six under, so he's four strokes behind Cantley going into Thursday. Deschambeau is five to one. He is in third spot. You've got Tony T1 female, 15 to 2. He's in T he's in position two. And then you've got Cam Smith, who's in fifth spot at minus five. He's as big as 25 to 1 to win the whole thing. And just for reference. Uh, Rory McIlroy won the Tour Championship in 2019 when they did this for the first time. He started at five under in fifth spot. And of course, last year, Dustin Johnson was number one, 10 under par. Uh, and he, I think he shot 11 under and ended up with a, a 21 under par total. The actual lowest sh- uh, round or lowest total for the week without the strokes index, was Xander at 15 under par, for reference. 
very Xander golf course, East Lane. I don't know. If you were having a bet in that market, I'm not. And it seems very contrived. It's very PGA Tour. Um, <laughs> uh, who would you back? Uh, you know, the, the thing that because I, I, mean, I think the guys at the top have got weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing that I always um, kind of remark after the first day of the Tour Championship is how dramatically the leaderboard can change from that kind of preordained um, setup. Because yeah. you know, someone's at ten under, someone's at two under. Now that guy at two under goes and shoots six under for the day. Six, mm-hmm. seven under. That, that's really po- yeah, and that's possible at East Lake. Sixty fours, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, more yeah. than possible. So he goes and shoots sixty four. He gets himself to eight under par. The guy at the top has a little bit of a wobble. He shoots, yeah, shoots seventy one. Shoots, shoots one over. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was four to one at the start to win that the overall thing. Yeah. After one round, the guy who was sitting there at 60, 80, 100 to one because he was starting on two under, he's suddenly mm-hmm. on, you know, he's virtually on, on terms with him after one round. And you're sitting there at the start and thinking, you know, there's no chance these guys at two under or even par mm-hmm. are going to make up that gap. Yet within four or six hours, that gap has been bridged by a number of players. Like crazy. Very, very yeah. I wonder if there's anything to be said for holding a little bit of your stake this week until after round one has kind of settled and, and the tour you kind of see who's who's played well in round one, who's not played well, and maybe you can deduce a couple of decent bets from that point. Yeah. And, but I mean, yeah. listen, none, none of us have figured this one out because it's just so different, and even the players themselves seem to it seems to befuddle them a little bit. The the the, the starting positions. Yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, Steve, um, I've backed Brooks Kapka and I've backed him at uh, 60 to 1, top four um, overall. Because I think if there's one player who's going to have the ability to side his way through the field, um, then, then Kepka could do it. He's been improving at East Lake. He's got a fourth and a sixth over the last, uh, well, two of his last three attempts there. And he starts, what, two under par? But I, I think if there's something that's going to motivate him to try and um, beat some of these players that are out there who are sitting ahead of him in the the, the, uh, the leaderboard before the very start, this this could be it. Um, we know he lifts himself for the majors. Does, you know, in his mind, is this something that's comparable to that? I'm going to throw this out there. Right, these are the starting positions of guys. And when I run through these, these aren't the... It's so complicated. These are the guys that shot the lowest scores across the week. So... Forget about the FedEx Cup starting index. So, And these are where they started, right? So Xander last year started in 14th spot. He was three under par. He shot 15 under total, which was the lowest of the week. That that was a 12 to 1 shot in terms of the 72 hole market. Uh, Scheffler was 20th. Thomas was, uh, sorry, Scheffler was 17th. We then had two that were in the top three, Thomas and DJ, and then Hatton squeaked in. Fifth lowest score for the week. He was 19th in the FedEx Cup. So you think about think that through. 14, 17, 19. Then the year before that, McElroy started fifth. Xander finished, uh, started sixth. Then we had Casey in 16, Scott in 13, and Ches Reevy was a one-under starter at 25. There was a Brooks Kepka in there at three. So there's a 13, a 16, a 17, a 14, 19, 25, all made each way. Well, in fact, Xander won it. He won the whole thing um, in terms of the 72 hole market um, bet. So, yeah, there's definitely life further down that FedEx Cup ranking. They got no pressure, have they, effectively going into this? What they got to lose? What's a Rory McElroy at 16th or a DJ at 15th got to lose this week? Just go out there and play golf. They're not thinking about winning the uh, the whole thing, are they? But they, as you said, things can change very, very quickly. Yeah, and these guys at the very top um, may well feel the pressure to start with. And yeah, you know, know. Cantlay is coming off the back of a an epic win last week where he putted lights out, and you know, can he continue that for another another four days with with the no. pressure and uh, the expectation? You know, if he if he puts at the same level again for another four days, no one's going to get near him. But it's that's a it's a big ask, isn't it? Mm. 
Yeah, all, all change. I think I, I don't be surprised to see the the leaderboard, you know, dramatically different after the first day. And those players that you kind of in your, had in your head that had no chance of getting towards the top are, are suddenly within touching distance after just one round. For me, I don't know. This feels twenty nineteen to me. It feels like last year you had DJ and Ram that were just dominating the FedEx Cup playoffs. The two of them. DJ was on a different planet, wasn't he? I think he finished second at the PGA, won the Northern Trust, second at the BMW, beaten in a playoff by John Rahm, who, who, that epic playoff. And then you had Rahm that had won that. So it was kind of a head-to-head for the for the overall. I think they were one and two. Um, this feels more 2019, where you've got like a Cantlay, a fee now, Cam Smith and DeChambeau all in the top five, all with the pressure. John Rahm sitting there in fourth, you know, clearly they mark him each and every week to win and he's always the shortest price. But as we know, John Rahm doesn't always win these things, um, as we saw again last week. You think about it, he went out Saturday in the final group with DeChambeau and Cantlay. He, he kind of went backwards or just trod, trod water while those guys cracked on. I, I, I also think Cantley and Finau, a lot of their performances last two weeks, and they won't know, it's all subconscious, it was all Ryder Cup. Get Make sure that Ryder Cup spot is mine, and they've taken it. It's almost like, ooh, they've got, that kind of mission's been achieved. I don't think this golf course suits DeChambeau. I think he's far too wild off the tee for around here at Eastlake. And that takes you down to Rahm. Cam Smith, again, his driver's his issue. Eastlake does not tolerate bad driving. So then you're down into the players like Justin Thomas, who's at four under. Abe Anser is the kind of player that can play well round here at four under. But do you see Abe Anser winning a to a championship from six back? I don't. I, I just think it's. I think it's quite open. It, you see, I think either John Rahm comes and takes it as he should potentially because you know the way he's been playing, or you might even just might just get a shock winner of, of all of the whole thing in the end. I don't know. I like the Kepka bet, Paul, a lot. When you look at it, it's, you know, Kepka and Rory are starting at the same number. Yeah, but Kepka's twice the price of Rory. I mean, that's that's nuts. That's another one of those situations where, like, backing Kepka purely on the price alone. Yeah, yeah. It's a similar argument with, um, with Xander as well. I mean, Xander's got a fantastic record here. But mm. um, he's, what, 33 to 1 from to win from the same starting position. 12 to 1 in the no, um, or the, just the straight 72 hole market. And Kepka's 25 to 1. So, you know, in, in all aspects, he's been priced at twice the uh, tw- twice the level of the likes of Xander. Um, you know, similar kind of differential with Rory, as you say. Yeah, he's, he's you know, in, incredibly capable player. Um, seventh yeah. for strokes gained off the tee, the tee last week. He's, you know, he, he, from the, off the tee, he's, he's playing some great stuff. And that's on a week where he's probably not arsed. Yeah. You know, we we've seen over the, we've seen time and time again. Kepka just decides I want to play well this week, and he plays well. Yep. Doesn't yep. always win, but my God, does he contend when he's got the head um, focused in the right spot? Yep. Yep. Particularly with the um, you know all, all of the emphasis on Bryson last week, nearly getting a fifty nine. He should have won mm. the golf tournament. I'm grabbing yeah. that ball. I'm, I'm yeah. copying that bet. Sorry if I might, the weight <laughs> of my money ruins it, but I really like no, that. Fill your boots, Barry. Fill your boots. I think we're going to see a different test this week, gentlemen. East Lake, par 70, long. Um, Zoysia, fairways. I like I like that link. The uh, Southwind, where they play the WGC St. Jude. Well, until, yes, yes, because they're still playing it. It's not a WGC next year. It's actually a playoff event, but they're still playing it. Here in Eastlake, Zoysia grass. And you do see some serious links between Southwind and here in terms of winners and players that have done well. Dustin Johnson's a Southwind winner. Um, Daniel Berg has won twice at Southwind. He might be one to look out for. Brooks Kepp has won at Southwind 2019. WGC. Justin Thomas is a winner there. Abraham Anser won there this year, that WGC event. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely some links in there. Um, the one thing I will say, this 
golf course has received an absolutely biblical amount of rain in the last three months. Absolutely crazy. 570 millimetres of rain has been received here since the start of June. That's a lot of rain. And when I got the fact sheet from the GCSAA, it actually stated on there that the amount of rain they received in July has had an impact on the way that they've been able to prepare the golf course. And I've never seen that before. So that's publicly stated. And they said basically because the course was so wet and it constantly rained in July, they struggled to prep and be able to cut the rough as they would like to. And I've just checked again. It rained again last night. There was another 12 mil. And there's a 100% chance of more rain today, Tuesday, in Atlanta. So I think we're going to see a sopping wet golf course. Very, very soft. And as we know with Eastlake, it is a tough test. The, the fairways here are very, very hard to hit. Very, not necessarily thin. They're kind of, they're kind of I mean, it's a Donald Ross design. So the, the setup is a, is a hard Sedgefield, effectively. The, the actual fairway widths are the same as Sedgefield. Um, but yeah, it's a tough golf course. Tough green complexes. And if you're thrashing around in the rough around here, it's a difficult course. I mean, even Dustin Johnson last year, yes, he won the Tour Championship. I get that. But in all of his interviews every day after, the, he said, I've got to straighten my driver. He, he, have, he hit, um, he was 28th for fairways hit last year. So it was a miracle, really. He shot 11 under par, which was enough to win the tournament. He was 28th out of 30 for fairways hit. But everybody said, oh, I just can't hit enough fairways. I'm struggling. They can't control... They can't control the ball out of this gnarly Bermuda grass rough. That's the trouble. It's a lottery. So if that rough's even going to be potentially longer this year because they haven't been able to prep it as much, I don't know. It does suggest to me in this golf course, I think you've got to have a decent driver of the golf ball. That That's kind of where I'm at. I think driving around here is a lot more important than it is at a lot of tournaments. And that kind of comes yeah. through from the strokes also, gain numbers. I mean, I'm I'm looking 16 through eight uh, 20, and I'm looking at the the I'm forgetting forget about the uh, strokes index. These are the guys that went round here in the lowest total. So it was McElroy in 19 and Xander in 20. If I look at the averages, strokes gain off the tee for the for the winners as I classified them third. Strokes gain on approach twelfth, which is low in a thirty man field. Strokes gained around the green seventh, and I've always had this place down as you've got to be able to scramble. Very, very difficult scrambling around here. And because you're missing quite a chunk of green, scrambling actually becomes important. Strokes gained tee to green fifth, but a lot of that is made up of driving and around the green. Strokes gained putting seventh. So I kind of went down the route of... I also, just... That Zoysia link to, to TPC Southwind is something I've explored. Also, just you know, correlating golf courses somewhere like a TPC Sawgrass. Again, you know, there's a there's a real um, quality driving, hitting lots of fairways, having respect for the golf course. I think is important this week. I don't think you can do this week what, what Bryson DeChambeau clearly could do at Caves Valley last week, which had 40-yard wide fairways and rough you could just hack out of. So it was all about pure and utter driving distance from a DeChambeau perspective. Yeah, I, you, I guess you, you, fact, You're not going to get that here. You, it just, no, it's, it's not tolerated. I guess the fact that it's going to be soft will widen the fairways to, to a degree. To a degree, yeah. Um, it'll also make it all play longer as well. So, so those players who who can find the fairways and find them a little bit further up um, could well be the uh, the ones that, that do well over the course it, of the four days. It's a classical major test, isn't it? They could bring a major to this golf course. They could bring the US Open. They could bring what they wanted. Really, it's a it's a lovely golf course. So for me, it's all about all round play. 
I've stayed completely clear of the um, winner market. I'm going 72 holes all in, no strokes index. I'm, I've kept it really, really simple. I've gone for two. Uh, the other thing I just garnered, I mean, it's not an exactly exact science. Xander was 12 to 1, started in 14th. McElroy was 8 to 1 to win the 72 hole market. He started in 5th. So I've gone down the route of, I think Rory's playing some outstanding golf. I think he loves this golf course. He clearly does like playing on Zoysia grass. I've gone Rory 14 to 1, 72 holes without strokes index with Betfred. They've gone five places each way, 50 odds across both the tournament market and the 72 hole market this week, Betfred. So that's worth looking at. Um, some, some firms are just going four places. So I've gone McElroy 3 points each way at 14 to 1. He's playing some great golf, it has to be said. And we've seen it in the past. He can often, once all the majors have disappeared and the big money's out there to be made, um, he, he seems to percolate. He, he can, I, I still think he's percolating and, and trying to get the best player that he can for the Ryder Cup because it's always important to him. And we often do so. I mean, you mentioned... Um, who did you? Oh, Daniel Van Tonder kind of got biorhythms to do well in the autumn or the fall. I think McElroy's the same. How many times have we seen him go over to China and win the WGC? It, it, it just seems to peak at this time. So I'm on Rory, who's playing some beautiful golf right now. I've also taken JT. Two points each way. I, I just saw 18 to 1 with Bet Fred at the time. 72 holes without strokes index market, but Bet Fred was a good price on JT. Um, He's been backed in now. You, on that on that market, you won't get better than fourteen, and that's genuine price. So I took the price on JT at eighteen to one. Again, a winner at Southwind, um, a winner at TPC Sawgrass. I think the the wet fairways should ho- hopefully straighten out his driver a little bit. But you actually just look at my, my my numbers this week in terms of the strokes gained across the last eight weeks. Thomas is second from tee to green. He's seventh for strokes going current form, and I don't think he's hit his straps. Um, I've always preferred Thomas on Bermuda grass greens. Um, so, yeah, I've gone JT and uh, McElroy at the top. I've also thrown in um, Sam Burns, who we spoke about in terms of Ryder Cup qualification at the top end of the, the podcast, but Burns is playing just the goal. He's playing best goal for his career. Um, who knows if he could. I remember Xander coming here and Xander winning the Tour Championship um, as a Tour rookie. I'm not suggesting Burns does that, but especially not with this strokes index, but I could see him getting in the top three, four in uh, in 72-hole in scoring, no problem at all. And we've always said with Burns, he's so Bermuda grass positive, it's unbelievable. Just loves those Bermuda grass greens. So I've taken 30 to 1 with Paddy Power, who are playing five places each way, a quarter of the odds to place in the 72 holes without strokes index market on Sam Burns, who I think, especially now it's going to be soft as well, beautiful, beautiful driver of the golf ball, Sam Burns. And um, as we know, a very, very strong Bermuda grass putter. So I've got Burns at 30 to 1, JT at 18, and Rory McIlroy at 14 to 1, all in the 72 holes without strokes index market. Those are my last three tips of the season. Very good. He's playing some good stuff, Burns, isn't he? And uh, mm. we'll see, see how he gets on. I, yeah, I just no, genuinely just, think that this course does suit strong drivers of the golf ball. You know, long and straight, bring it on. I like yeah. the Burns shout. Hmm. Although they have just dialed up the um, your predictor and punched in for soft positive only, and uh, Burns comes in at twenty fourth. So. Yeah, but you've got to be slightly careful with that because that's yeah, a yeah. five week, five year rolling statistic. Okay, so, so he's Burns got just hasn't had the experience or the time to build up his points yeah. for that. But but you know here, here's another. I'll come back with some niceties for you now, Steve. So if you add in Bermuda, Bermuda positive and soft positive, JT comes out on top. Yeah. Kepka, Kepka two, DJ three, Rory four, Ram five, and in sixth actually is somebody I've taken in the um outright. Sorry, the tournament market 
was it not the, just to win the FedEx Cup market, not the seventy-two hole stroke play? Yeah. Um, one shot back from Rory and um, Kapka is Hideki, hundred yep. to one. He's kind of course, yeah. He's had a couple of, you know, he's had a fifth and a fourth at this. Um, so he clearly gets along well with the course. Clear, I'm using the word clearly. <laughs> Somebody's giving me shit about that. <laughs> I'm picking that up off you, Paul. Um, <laughs> it's not me, it's Steve. Oh, I know, but he, okay, we got it from him then. It goes up the chain. Um, Obviously clearly. clearly. Yeah, yeah. So, look, he's, he's been a bit off the boil the last few weeks. But, you know, this kind of this kind of test could um, could ignite him again. Now that he knows at the end of the season he's got a free week, hundred to one. I'm like, he could go out and shoot a sixty, you know, you know, six under first day and be right in the mix. Some juicy prices a little bit further down, isn't there? If you, uh, if you can kind of get your your head away from the fact they are starting with that uh, kind of six eight shots uh, deficit. Scotty Scheffler started. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was a hundred to one and placed in that market last year. He started the seventeenth spot, so it's possible yeah. to get an each way return. That's that kind of what I'm jumping at, and the thing yep. I'm scared about in in betting on the seventy-two hole stroke play market is getting halved or thirded or quartered because that's not going to be split by a tiebreaker. So your win price on that could be um, could be yeah. done by um, the, your guy tying with somebody. Yeah, yeah, you are right. It could be dead heats. There, the, that's the word. The that, those are the words I was looking for. Thank you. We'll see. But yeah, that should be a good one. It should be a good culmination to the season before uh, before the PGA Tour takes a week off and then does it uh, all again the following week. That's us, I think. We've got Wentworth next week, the BMW PGA Championship. Paul, we actually need to buy some tickets. Otherwise, we won't be going on Friday. Um... I believe that Xander is turning up at Wentworth. I know he's not on the official list, but they'll probably add it. They'll probably add him in after they've set all the uh, markets up, like they did for Reed last year. <laughs> It'll be about three o'clock on Monday next week. Three o'clock on Monday. All of a sudden, Xander <laughs> is the favourite. An influx of uh, players from the top ten in the world. Won't be surprised if Zalatoris comes over as well. Um, okay. Good show, lads. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck. You too, boys, and all the listeners as well. Good luck this week. Best of luck to the listeners, yeah, and we'll be back. Yeah, next week, no PGA Tour action, but we have the marquee event on the European Tour, the BMW PGA Championship from Wentworth. We'll see you there. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved all the stats and the tips and so much more cause it's the golf betting system the golf betting